Warning, the following episode of Childhood Trauma Theater may not be suitable for younger listeners. It may contain inappropriate topics, horrifying visuals, and nightmare-inducing memories. Listener discretion is advised. I'm Tara. I'm Ryan. We love Disney movies. So we decided to watch them all, from Snow White to Frozen 2 and beyond. Each episode, we'll watch a different Walt Disney Animated Studios film and tell you all about it. Did we like it? Does it hold up? Who's our favorite hero? Or villain. We'll give you history and fun facts about each movie. And sometimes, we'll invite our friends to watch along with us. So put on your tiara. Or your evil crown. And join us on our adventure. This is Tara and Ryan's Princess Diaries. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Childhood Trauma Theater. Today... We are going over what I believe to be a less traumatic entry into this than, uh, than Return to Oz, but still kind of weird and unusual and strangely creative and maybe maybe not necessarily a movie. For, this movie for kids. <laughs> um, what did we talk about that in? Was that in? That was in uh, The Fairy Tale Mail. The Fairy Tale Mail. Um, this movie, of course, is 1986's Labyrinth. George Lucas produced, uh, Jim Henson directed, story David by Borey, Jim Henson. story by Jim Henson, starring David Bowie, a lot of, you know, once in a lifetime creative people coming together. Jennifer Conley's first role. Jennifer Conley. First uh, role? Probably. Probably. Um, fantastic movie. Mm-hmm. Very, very creative, very odd, very, you know. Quirky. Quirky. Uh, let me go through real quick setup. Sarah uh, wishes her half-brother Toby be taken by the Goblin King, played by David Bowie, who does indeed come and take him. And she immediately feels regretful. And he says, well, if you can make it to the center of my labyrinth in 13 hours, you can take him back. She goes on an adventure. She meets Hoggle the dwarf, Ludo the monster, and Sir Didymus the knight. And Ambrosius. And Ambrosius, his his cowardly dog mount. She makes it to the, the, the center, the... Uh, Goblin City Castle, Goblin, Goblin City, the and cast- then the castle, and the yeah. castle, and eventually overcomes to get her uh, brother back. It's it's a story of kind of it's interesting because by the end it felt like she was putting away childish things and growing up a little, but then at the same time she's like, I still need this stuff, which I feel like a lot of these movies are just like, now I'm an adult, mm-hmm. and this one was like, creativity is important, which feels like the kind of message that Jim Henson would be wanting to get across of like, you should grow up. But still, do this crazy, have all these crazy yeah, adventures. Yeah, and, and I stuff. think you still need you. You look for those things as a source of comfort or as a source of inspiration. I think no matter how old you get, right. Some of those things from childhood. Now we've both seen this many times. I feel like mm-hmm. our listeners, if this will probably be the most one, of, probably one of the most viewed of our childhood trauma theater entries. Um, I also think this time going through it, we found. So many new things still to this so day. So many, yeah. I mean, I have notes, of course, as I always do, and they're chronological, so we can kind of go through whenever. Uh, but I did want to just, uh, for those of you who listened to Return to Oz, uh, I had a chat with Jeremy, who uh, I talk about quite a bit. <laughs> oh, that's right. And uh, I've seen Return to Oz many times, <laughs> apparently as a child, and completely forgot about I- it. Forgot or uh, uh, blocked yes, it out. blocked it out of my memory. And one of the things she I she wanted- kept telling her mother, "There's this movie with these characters," and your mother said, "Why don't I take you to this asylum and I we'll ne- electroshock no therapy?" No 
Uh, but one thing I thought was funny that I completely forgot all about is uh, Jeremy's family used to have chickens, and one of their chickens was Helena, and Jeremy named it after Belina, but he had such a kind of garbled copy of the VHS, he thought <laughs> Belina's name was Helena. So I didn't know it was because the I VHS just wanted was... To, I just wanted to share that uh, because I totally forgot about all of those childhood memories. So thank you for refreshing my memory, Jeremy. Well, well let's go into this movie and let's yes. start at the beginning because this was the scene, I think, where we realized a lot of stuff and paused a lot. Well, before we get into that, let's talk about your connection with it. Your, like, and, you so, know. I remember when I was young, my sister went and saw it in theaters because mm-hmm. my sister's about 10 years older than me yeah. and really enjoyed it. And I was really excited to see it. Because of that, and I don't think I saw it till it was on TV or or video or something. Um, but I remember her talking about it, and it was one of those things where I'm like, "Tell me more about this movie." Like, mm-hmm. I just wanted to hear about it. it sounded very cool. Um, I loved it. I've seen it a billion times. What were your memories with it? So, of course, I don't have specific memories. I'll probably be told when I first saw it. But uh... I very specifically remember sitting in in Grandma Joyce's room and listening to her tell it to the other cousins. Probably during oh, Grandma that's Juice fun. used to have big. Like I say Grandma Juice. Fam- I said Grandma you, Joyce. You said Joyce the first time. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I just, this is a movie I feel like I've always known. Do you know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. that kind of a film for me. It's one that um, I can't think of a time where I didn't know Labyrinth. So it's one I've watched many times as an adult, as a child. Uh, this viewing, I've probably seen it a few years before this. I feel like I've seen it somewhat recently compared to a lot of the other movies, even the Disney movies. Mm-hmm. That we watch sometimes, you know, it's been a decade or more since I've seen right. those. This, it's been more recent than that. Uh, so I just want to give a shout out to the TriStar logo because that was so <laughs> nostalgic for me seeing that horse run through. Uh, and I was just excited to see that logo. This movie starts with a CGI owl mm-hmm. flying through everything. And this is the first apparently time that uh, a CGI living creature was being oh, used is one of the facts i found when i cool. do my little quick fact look up for these yeah so uh frank oz we were talking about how he was in this who is he in this he's the wise man and gone the voice of gonzo is dave goals and he is sir didymus and a bunch of other characters uh we also mentioned elmo's voice he is one of the fireys and you can really tell once you know it's elmo's yeah. voice that that's it um were there any other well, I mean, there's Brian Henson, who's uh, Jim Henson's son, who did Hoggle. Like, these okay. are all, it's all the usual, a lot of yeah. the usual. I just uh, wanted to give the, some The voice of the junk the lady is the voice that did Belina, Belina. in Return to Oz. Um, speaking of, of movies, like similar movies to this. Also a lot of chickens in this film as also well. Also a lot of chickens in this film. Uh, this movie filmed next door to Legend. Oh my goodness. Legend should probably be on yes, our list Legend as well. Yes, Legend should be on the list. Which meant the cast and crew of both movies often intermingled. Oh, that's cool. Brian Henson happened to meet and develop a crush on uh, Maya Sarah, the the lead care the lead woman. Years later, the two met again and married. Oh my goodness. Isn't that cool? That is very cool. That's fun. Uh, so I just, at the top here, one of the first things I wrote was, I miss David Bowie. Mm-hmm. I just, this is such like a good tribute. If you're a David Bowie fan, uh, revisit this film, revisit his music, of course. But I just, I miss him in our world. Let's jump to her room because that's yes. where when we, we, you know, we meet Sarah, we see she's a very creative person into drama. She's very whiny. And then we start looking around her room and this is something we picked up. We started pausing it. So... 
I think a lot of people know that like the characters from the movie are around her room. There's like a stuffed uh, fiery. There's what mm-hmm. looks like Sir Didymus. Hoggle is like a it's book. It's like end. a bookend. Yeah. Uh, Ludo. There's the where the wild things are. Which this this movie was based off of a book by that author. Another picture book called Outside Over There. Um, which was illustrated in 1981, which was about uh, a, a young woman uh, finding her baby sister who's been spirited away by some goblins. And then from that, Jim, it came from yes. Jim Henson's brain. So where the wild things are, there's a bunch of books. There's the, the Snow White, the Seven Dwarfs, the Disney version, Alice in Wonderland, Wizard of Oz. We talked about how this had a real big Wizard of Oz vibe. Yeah, Grimm's Fairy Tale as well is there. Hans Christian Andersen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the theme, you know, I never really thought about it, but it is very similar to Wizard of Oz in the sense of, you know, is this a dream? Is it reality that she kind of goes into? You know, it feels so real to her. She's dealing with her personal problems by going to this fantasy place. Yeah, she meets friends along the way who help her realize kind of her potential as well. She realizes she kind of has to do this on her own you know it's not the exact beat for beat as Wizard of Oz and the same with Alice in Wonderland there's there's some things there similar themes yeah it's definitely going it's definitely taking a lot of influence from those yeah yeah um so then we started seeing she had a uh photo album a scrapbook And, and first off in the scrapbook were pictures of Robin Hood and Friar Tuck from yeah, Disney's Robin which Hood, just which fun, I never had noticed a before. A fun nod. But then it's her mom, and we started. I, her I look, mom's name is Linda Williams. In the that's the story. character's name. Yes. We well, now it's probably in the novelization, but we started looking this stuff up on the Labyrinth Wiki, and the whole point is Sarah. Sarah's mom. I always thought Sarah's mom was dead. I I never really thought about it. Sarah's mom has apparently left to go be an actress. Mm-hmm. Has abandoned the family. And she's the scrapbook is a bunch of playbills and a bunch mm-hmm. of news articles about her mom in a show. And it's also her mom with an actor, and it's like on again, off again. And it's David Bowie. It's yeah. David Bowie in those pictures. Mm-hmm. And it's it's apparently in the novelization it was a her she had left to go be with this actor, Jeremy, mm-hmm. which Goblin King's name is Jeriff. Like yeah. you start getting like this interesting backstory that I never had noticed before. Yeah, and the scrapbook, it, it kind of comes by quickly, so it's definitely worth a pause to look yeah. at all of that, for sure. So that was the thing we noticed that was really cool. Yeah, um, and also, I don't think I ever realized Toby's her half-brother. Yes. Because it's her stepmother who we meet at the beginning who kind of scolds her for being an hour late and... She, you know, she is very whiny in the beginning, you know. Everything's not fair and you can... Yeah, she's she's turned up to 11. Yeah, yeah, shouting. I hate how mean she is to her brother, but obviously that's the whole point, right? Right. Uh, to kind of go through this journey, and then, you know, that becomes the most important thing, is finding Toby along the way. So her brother starts crying, and she starts saying, like, oh, I'm going to ask the Goblin King to take you away. And we start seeing our first view of the goblins I, and Tara was laughing at every shot. I love those goblins. I love every time you shut up. Listen, like yeah. they all like bicker with one another. Did she say it? Yes, like, and then they all get on him to hush. And I love when I forget what she says first, and they're like, "Well, that's not it." Yeah, she's like, "I just wish I knew what to say." Would you just ask the Goblin King to take your brother away? Like it's something <laughs> yeah. very simple, and I just love. I love the whole back and forth. It's played for comedy, and I just, I really, really laugh. But they do quick cuts to these shots of all the goblins. And this is the first of the scenes that are kind of like, like, like this movie, like when I was a kid, was a little off putting. 
I wrote some things down that I think could be scary. I never found this film scary. So I know it's right. in our childhood trauma theater and I know there are lots of people out there. Well, I think there's a, there's something to be said that maybe we are how we are because of this movie and whether you would call that being traumatized or not is, is up for debate. I guess so, yes. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so we did write, we did note some things that we were like, oh, I could see how that could be scary. Uh, um, that we, kind of a thing. We don't have to hit them one by one. We'll hit them up at the end say which one we thought was, was our, our scariest. Uh, so she wishes him away and she comes back in and he's gone. And then the, the, you know, there's all the little goblins running around. It's kind of freaky scene. And yeah, the owl that I burst think in. is kind of creepy yes. when they're coming in and out of like the, the dresser and out from under the bed and yes. things like that. And then the owl comes in and then we get our first look at the most magical human. Oh my goodness. Such good David casting. Bowie. So but good. let's talk for a second because he wasn't their first choice. Who was their first choice? Uh, give me one second to look at And up. I'm curious, was their first choice someone who also wrote music? Oh, they 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 had four they, they had four people who they were considered. And who are they any I know? Michael Jackson. Well, I wanted to guess. Oh, you didn't well, give yes, me you any have... time. Michael Jackson. Okay, sorry. Three more. American or British? Uh, some American, some British. Elton John? No. Oh, that's the only guess I had. <laughs> Prince. Oh. Mick Jagger. Interesting. And Sting. And Jim Henson's first choice was Sting. Wow. And then his kids convinced him to go with David Bowie. And he looked and David Bowie and goes, oh, that's him. Wow, that's so interesting. Because David Bowie had just reached mainstream popularity with Less Dance. Yeah. That's so interesting. I'm, I'm picturing, I think Prince would have had a really unique take on it as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, <sighs> I don't, I, I think if Prince would have written this, he would have done a good job. But like, I don't think Prince does other people's stuff Yeah, very well. like Prince has to be in full creative Yeah, control. like I think, yeah. I think, and I think David Bowie brought his own flair to it, but mm-hmm. I think he's. Maybe more collaborative. David, David Bowie has gone on to do many more movies than Prince. Prince has done Prince movies and yeah. to varying success. Sorry, I thought Purple Rain was weird when I saw it. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, that could be a childhood trauma. Didn't you watch that when you were a kid? I watched it in high school. <laughs> oh, okay. I thought you watched it when you were much younger than that. I don't that. think so, no. But, uh, but yeah, so David Bowie appears and... You know, we're trying not to go beat for beat for this, although I think we've already failed at that. Cause we're going, <laughs> we're doing pretty well, I think. Uh, but you wanted me to ask about how he does all the things with the crystal ball. So that's called contact juggling. It's okay. it's when you're doing things that are touching each other and moving in a weird way like that. You're, you're always touching it, but you're still juggling it. Yeah. So literally, there is a contact juggler behind David Bowie. Really? With his hands up under oh him like that. Oh my god, that's Doing so that. Now cool. when it's like shot from behind, they just put a wig on the dude and did that. Yeah. But whenever it's like David Bowie's like, you know, you have that. Because it's to his face a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And that guy was doing it all blind because that's he can't so look. So he's cool. doing it all and by touch. it's an actual crystal ball yep. he's holding. That yep. is so cool. <laughs> that's really cool. So uh, I also pointed out things that like might be moments of like, this might be inappropriate for a PG movie nowadays. Uh, and there's a couple of those in here. And the first one is how we meet Hoggle. <laughs> I don't know that that would necessarily be appropriate. Hoggle taking a leak. <laughs> yeah, into the fountain. Yeah. I don't know if that would be in a PG film. I have that's a, how we see him. I have a fact about the Hoggle puppet. Okay. So first of all, I told you this. It's a, it's an actress. I, I have to find her name here. Sick, but it's an actress 
in a Sherry Weiser is in the suit, mm-hmm. and then there's like four to five people running her mouth, her the the eyes, the yeah. eyebrows, everything. In fact, you might wonder why Hoggle makes so many groaning noises between his lines, and that was to keep his mouth open as much as possible so that Sherry Weiser was able to look out and see mm. things. The other fact I have about the the, the Hoggle pu- the Hoggle uh, puppet. Uh, a hoggle puppet got lost on an airplane and remained undiscovered until oh, no. it turned up at the Unclaimed Baggage Center, a store in Scottsboro, Alabama. When a worker opened the crate, he got a, <gasps> he got scared by the sight of the puppet. It is now on display in their museum. That's so cool. So there's like a museum in Alabama that's like amazing unclaimed luggage. That's really cool. So, also horrifying to picture that yeah. as like a puppet in a suitcase. Also, Hoggle's design. I mean, the design of each one of these characters is so intricate, and I feel like there's so many different things you can find and notice for the first time, and I'll point out the things that we noticed that we were really excited about, but take a look at Hoggle's vest, because the back of his vest, it's all like leather patchwork, but it's It's a a face, face. and the tongue is like his belt. It's his, like, yeah, his his thing that carries all his stuff. Yeah, that carries his bag of jewels and his other pieces on him. It's such a cool design. Uh, and that's kind of throughout the attention to detail. I mean, that's something I think Jim Henson is known for, but, and just everyone, Lucas as well, Lucasfilm, you know, we talked about how George Lucas was a producer on this. There's so much attention to detail. I have an interesting George Lucas fact with this movie. Okay. Producer George Lucas chose not to do any interviews during the release of this movie as to not steal Jim Henson's thunder. Good for him. I just thought that was a cool bit. Uh. Because I didn't know, I forgot this was a Lucasfilm yeah. joint. Yeah. So one of the things we thought was creepy was when she's first in the labyrinth, all the eyeballs that are coming out of the moss, but then they have like weird voices like, <laughs> oh, she? I, it, I think that's just, a, I love that that's just a weird thing. At first I was like, oh, that's how he's going to see her. And then you never see those eyeballs you again. You see them one other time oh, when, do she's, you? when she's like down and pouting and she's like, it's, so maybe still, they were... it's still somewhat early on in the film, but it's while she's in the labyrinth maze, mm. they're like kind of next, they're kind of by her. Right before she meets your favorite character, the worm. It's either before or after the worm. It might be before the guards. The the two, the four guards. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's somewhere in there. But yeah, then um, we get the best musical number, Dance Magic Dance. I have a Dance Magic Dance fact. I would love to hear it. The Dance Magic scene consisted of, consisted of over 48 Muppets, 52 puppeteers, and eight people in goblin costumes. Wow. It's such a cool scene. It's also something, you know, rewatch the movie, but if you're not going to rewatch the movie... Go look up that scene. It's so much fun. There's there's so much to look at. And you can really see the design of the goblins, I think, really well in here. And you can, if you look closely, see when it is a real baby and when it is a fake baby. <laughs> yeah. Or a baby. Like, baby. He, said, he says, he goes, you must reach the baby. The like, baby. He says it very odd. Uh, also, we really love the little guys who change the... Uh, the stones. So at one point when she's going through the labyrinth, she takes out her lipstick and it's very smart what she does. She writes an arrow so she can kind of retrace her steps if she gets turned around or comes to a dead end. And they, it's kind of like their home, like their front door is how I picture it. And they get really annoyed that she's drawn on their door and well, they they're like called, flip it around. They're called tile keepers in oh, the, in the okay. script. So I don't know if that's their job. Maybe it's that just... is. Yeah. But they were super fun. But uh, it, but the thing is, it shows that it doesn't matter. Like she yeah. gets mad, but then like 
the wall behind her disappears and those two guys are there and then the wall comes behind her. So it's like, it's changing all the time anyway. Mm-hmm. So yeah, those guys are switching up stuff on her, but it doesn't really matter. Yeah. One of my favorite characters is the worm and the worm is in the film for like 2.5 seconds, but I love the worm. I, I think love the, the worm's design of the pretty worm. famous considering not being a major character. I love the design of the worm, the little wispies of the hair. He's got like this little scarf and... All he wants is for her to just come in and meet the missus and have a cup of tea. And you were saying there was some, I don't know if it's a There was something online where it was like the worm betrays her and sends her the wrong way. And then the argument was, well, no, it knew that she needed to meet her friends to, to, and I'm like, I don't think it's as serious as that. I think he didn't know she wanted, he just thought she was some girl. He just was like trying to chat her up and was like, do you want to come in and have some tea? And I think had she come in and had some tea, maybe she would have found out which way the castle was. Now we have another theory that we'll get to later on that we kind of came up with that I think is a pretty good theory, but we'll get to that in a bit. Yeah. Uh, so we come across the guards and Ryan in unison with the guards, ba 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 bum Certain, Certain death. death. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. Uh, so they're really great too. I absolutely love them. Uh, they're so funny, and this riddle that she has to figure out—it's like a very famous like Dungeons and Dragons riddle. Is like it? one of us tells I the truth, and one curious. of us always lies. Yeah. But like, it's always. <laughs> How is... do you figure it out? Well, she's got a good point. She goes, she "What would he say? Yeah. Would, he, would he say you would tell me?" So then she figures it out. Like that's the the way that's to fix it. That's the way it. to figure it. But out. it was really funny. I saw something literally the other day on Twitter that was like, "Wife, how was your day?" Guard one, uh, stifling a cry. Fine. Was it really fine? Yes. Would the other guard tell me it was fine? <laughs> like I don't know why. That's really great. And then like someone else put like. Guard, I don't. And then it's like, priest, then by the power vested in me, you may kiss the bride. Like, or something like that. Uh, but she winds up falling into all these hands. And this was another, such a creative and unique thing. Because the falling reminds you of Alice in Wonderland. But then what she's falling into are all these hands that are grabbing onto her and they catch her. And then so making faces to talk. And then, yeah, they're making faces to talk to her and asking her, do you want to go up or down? So she gets the choice to decide. Over 100 pairs of latex hands were made oh, for the wow. helping hands scene. That's such a cool scene. That scene would be fun to almost kind of pause and see each face because each one is so different. Oh, I used to. I used to do it all the time. I yeah, remember them so much. Yeah, so, so cool. I like the one with the mustache. It's like, which word? Yeah, and then there's one that almost has like little antennas at the top. Yeah. Yeah, that one I think is towards the end. Uh, but then we see all these rock faces. And that was a little reminiscent of... Uh, the false alarms. In no, no, no. They're called false, false alarms. Oh, the false this. alarms. Yeah. Yes, they. The false alarms reminded me a little bit of Return to Oz. They're they. They don't look the same. Oh, the but gnomes. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. They reminded me a little bit. But of I those. loved him being like, "Shut up!" And he's like, "Please, I haven't said it in he's so like, long." Haven't said it in so long, and then he thanks them that so, he gets to say it. So he- Terry Jones wrote this. The original. Mm-hmm. The original script. Terry Jones, one of the original uh, Monty Python members. Mm-hmm. And then they took it and they went in a different direction with it. But apparently Jim Henson went, well, it's not funny anymore. So he brought it back oh. to Terry Jones and went, can you go through it and make it funny again? Yeah. And he was like, he's like, this is very different from my original. Um, there is a lot of humor in it, though. So yes. that's interesting. Cool, because I love that the whole like, because that feels like the second draft of a uh fantasy script to make it funny is like all these things telling you to go away and the one was like mm-hmm. please like please it feels just let me say what i need to yeah. say <laughs> well because hoggle's telling them all to shut up so yeah yeah uh and then this 
next comment is something that I can't be alone in. I feel like I used to say this all the time. Nothing, tra-la-la. I, I think of that all the time when someone says nothing. I go, nothing, tra-la-la. nothing, tra-la-la. Nothing, tra-la-la. Uh, but David Bowie comes out and says that. I love he's like got a puppet. Yes. And he, he's like, yeah. he's like, who's this? And then yeah, he and then comes he out of it. Into, yeah. it's, his reveals each time he's checking in to see where she's at. A lot of times he's doing it from the castle, but then he's appearing because you find out that Hoggle is kind of working for him. Well, and Hoggle has this inner struggle. Hoggle comes out and tells us right at the beginning and tells Sarah, I'm a coward. And we see that, but we see Hoggle overcome that as well. I used to love Ludo. I have a Ludo pop vinyl somewhere. Really? Yeah, I think it's from in my box of the ones from work. Yeah. But um, Ludo used to be my favorite. Hoggle, after watching this time, is my favorite. Because I think he's got a good arc. And yeah. I also like him being like, oh, we're friends. That's great. And then like, Ludo screams. He's like, oh, goodbye. And yeah, he just, like, runs yeah, off. But- yeah, he winds up not only getting one friend, but he gets several friends. Yes. Like Ludo says that they're friends. And I, I want to talk about, I love the cleaner here. This is also the first time we hear David Bowie threatened with throwing him in the bog of eternal stench. Yes. Yeah, and we haven't seen what that looks like yet. but uh, Or smell it. I feel like you can smell it through the screen by yes. how visual it is. But we'll, we'll get to that in a sec. Yeah. Um, but then then the cleaner comes, which mm-hmm. I was like... It's just this, like, thing of knives that's, like, cleaning out the... Like a big metal thing that's coming, like, through this tunnel that they're in. But I think that's where the, a lot of the humor comes from is the... It's weird fantasy stuff, but then it's commonplace. Like, at the beginning when it's like, oh, they're fairies, and he's just like, ah, 39. Yeah, you know? yeah. He's I think he winds up them. killing at least 60. Yeah. He gets to 60. And then and she like picks it up little, and is like, like it bites her. And he's like, what do you think it was going to do? Like, I love the the humor comes from... These things are trying to scare us. Ah, oh, they're false alarms. Don't worry about them. Like, it's the cleaner. It's this horrible thing. But when it goes by, it's just like... People on a bicycle. Doing their job. Yeah. Like, they're like, oh, I'm here to clean out the thing. Yeah. Um, uh, there's, yeah, there's a lot of, like, nothing is what it seems. And that is yes. that is told to us from the very beginning. And they play that up so well in this film throughout. Even when she's going through the labyrinth and the worm tells her, you know, no, there's there's an entrance right there and she can't see it. And then she walks behind. Yeah. It. And it's kind of that illusion that we see throughout, too. So the th- other thing. Oh, oh sorry. The other thing you really liked that I wanted to mention here when they climb up out of the cleaners, they they uh, climb through this long tunnel. But then it's a like freestanding pot they've been yeah, in that so there's no way to do the pot, it yeah. there's no way that they got in from underneath and it's I love, just a cool moment apparently yeah. that pot i forgot i didn't i saw this but i didn't save it what is in uh brian henson's garden now oh like he kept it because he liked that's it that's fun uh another moment to just maybe potentially not a pg moment is the man who has the bird on his head mm-hmm. uh the bird as a hat the bird says <laughs> at one point so it C-R-A-P, since we're going to have to bleep that out, you'll just... Because someone will be like, what did the guy say? say? No, it's not that bad a word, but like, there's some C words, there's some D words, you know. D words? D. D D-A-M-N? Oh, when does that happen? Oh, all over the place. There's a few of them. Apparently that one doesn't get on my radar. (laughs) Yeah, sorry. Um, From Jersey. If it's, if it's, it's either F or nothing to Tara. Um, so this is where they meet the wise men. After that is when they hear Ludo. Yeah. There was something I forgot to look for and forgot to tell you for. Apparently 
There's a miniature video camera in Ludo's right horn that fed to a small television monitor mounted in the puppet's stomach so oh, that the person could see. Now, I know this is something they did for Fraggle Rock and the Gorg. So there's somebody inside Ludo. Yes. Okay. So yeah, he's I mean, like Big sense. Bird or anything yeah. else, and they're probably just working this, but there's a television camera in there. But mm-hmm. I was trying to see if you could see the, the yeah. video camera. Is it, it when is. he's hanging upside down that you can see it? No, it's in his right horn all the time, oh, so, so I didn't know if... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got it, got it, got it. I didn't know. Uh, but this is where we find out when she comes upon Ludo, uh, and Hoggle at this point has run away. Hoggle runs away several times. <laughs> but when she comes upon Ludo, there are all these guards kind of torturing him, and... There's... I, I was... It, when I was listening, I was like, is this supposed to be making fun of Japanese people? And at first I was like, ah, I don't know. And then they flat out say like, oh. my aching sushi. And I was like, okay, so that's that's one thing that doesn't really hold up in this movie. But, but. That, out of everything, I think that might be the only real strong moment. That I did we like saw. their weapons that were like these giant tooth naked mole rats on a stick. Yeah, it's and so weird. It's but-, a, but the creativity and just again the attention to detail that everything. Yes. Again, not what it seems, and is being used for something else than it normally would be that you'd think of. Uh, but this is where we find out that Ludo can... Well, we don't know it yet. But oh, he starts... Start, he starts like... And then like a rock comes up, she picks it up and throws it. Yeah. This is the most... One of the most creative like... Superpowers I've ever seen, which is just... I call the rocks. I'm friends And with it's the like, rocks. why? Oh, the rocks are my friends. Like, there's no explanation. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff in this... This movie that I feel like now they'd go out of their way to explain why. And, and I'm like, you don't need to explain why. Yeah, it's so... Like... Why does Jareth t- change into an owl? I feel like now it'd be like, he was born an owl and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no, I don't need to know that. He just, that's what he does. He changes into a white yeah. owl. Well, and Jareth, Because he's clear, David Bowie and it's cool as heck. And it's clear that he is <laughs> like very magical. Yeah. He's a very magical being. So I feel like you can kind of just put that all in there with like. Can we talk about that it. for a sec? Is it weird? Like. I remember being like, oh, it's this old guy trying. He's obviously in love with the 16-year-old. but And it is. It's a little uncomfortable to think about. But I think they do a good job because it's A, David Bowie. B, there's nothing physical between them other than he's always wearing tight pants with an inappropriate bulge. But I do think like it's just this kind of like, I am this mystic creature that's lived for hundreds well, of years. And I, he like, says I think at it's, the end, like, I want you to obey me to love me to fear me like i think he wants her to be like all the other goblins like all the other goblins like do his bidding right i don't yeah know i don't that... know that he's necessarily in love with her yeah i don't I know mean, i mean well i, I, I mean think... he has a he has a different connection to her than but i think like he kind of says at the end he's like you asked all this of me. I'm just doing what you asked. I'm wondering. And I don't know. I'm wondering if I get a sexual vibe off of it just because everything David Bowie does is with a little bit of a healthy dose of sex appeal. I have no problem <laughs> like, with it. I'm I, just saying. No, like, yeah. and I'd love to listeners call in, send us an email. Uh, I'd love to hear seven zero seven yo trpd one. That's seven zero seven yo trpd one. I would love to hear different interpretations because I think I never saw it that way mm-hmm. as a child, and so I feel like I still have that feeling towards it. I but I, I'm not arguing against it, right? I'm not mm-hmm. saying I don't see it. Um, well, I want to talk about the door knockers. That goes back to that humor. I really like them a lot. Too. You, They're I love so the one great. who can't hear anything and is just yes. so indignant about. It. It's like can't hear. We're not. We're not can't hear you. It's so good. 
Uh, and then the fiery scene. I really liked that as a kid, but I could see that that could be really scary. I don't think that scared me as a kid. I thought they were weird, but I liked but, like, their scene. But they take off their heads and they throw their heads around and yes. then they start chasing her. So I could see how maybe that could be... And they try to pull her head off. Yeah, like oh, her head but doesn't come off. It never really seems scary to me. Like they weren't coming at her with like a like an axe or something. Well, that's They're the just thing like, is, let's I get never, your head. Yeah, I never perceived it scary, but I'm just trying to think what parts might be yeah. scary. Yeah, well, right? I think the part where he goes plunk oh, with his eyeballs, his eyeballs and then he like yeah. eats them and they come back in his head. Yeah. Uh, but then we get to the bog of eternal stench. Uh, Jareth sees Hoggle and says, "Give her this peach, and if she ever kisses you, I'm going to make you a." The prince of the bog of eternal stench. Yeah. And so she goes to kiss him when Hoggle saves her. And they go to this place, which you're, we're going to quack this out here. But if you've seen the movie, you can imagine what I'm saying. All the things that are making the smells and the, like <laughs> noise, they look like horses. <laughs> like for lack of a better term. I never would have put that together until we're going to go horse. You're going to go horseback riding soon. And when no, you do, I'm, I want you to I'm, look and think of this scene. I'm sure, but I've never thought of it that way. But yes. Like it. You can picture, you can like almost smell it by how they depict oh, it in there. So, what uh, do you think it smells like? Does it smell like the wet dog food that we're feeding Lady right no, now? No, I think it smells worse <laughs> than that. I think it smells worse than that. But um, then we get to meet. Hold my... on, I've got a, I've got a good fact. Oh, Brian Frode or Froud, who was the design, the the head of design, recounts that at the royal premiere, Prince Charles was the only one laughing during the bog of stench scene. <laughs> They met again at the opening of the Museum of the Moving Image in London in 1988, at which time the prince recalled to Froud how much he had enjoyed that scene. So apparently he loved it. You and Prince Charles, you like barrel laughed at that scene. (laughs) When they're they're walking on the rocks and it's like every time he steps, it's like... The best is when Sir Didymus and Ambrosia run across it. But that's where we get to meet... Sir Didymus. Who is your character. Who is my absolute favorite. I just like, I laugh at everything he does. And every time he's on the dog and the dog is running and we looked it up and you can look at it if you're really looking for it, which I was this time, when the dog is a puppet and when it's a real dog. And when the real dog is running with Sir Didymus on top of him and he's just flopping around. But you made a good point of like, it never flops more than you think his character would. Exactly, yeah. Like, his, they've they've designed his character in such a way that that's how he moves regardless. Because I think whenever he's on it, it shows him, he's just like, Ambrosius! And he's yes, just like yelling it's like... so good. I love him so much. Like, I cannot, I cannot uh, talk about him enough. I absolutely love him. Uh, then we get into the dancing montage. So he, tr- as she eats the poison peach... We get into this whole montage of this masquerade ball, and he's essentially just trying to have her forget everything, so she can forget that she's looking for Toby. And I think she's beautiful here. I love, yes. I love how I love her dress. I love everything about her. David her Bowie, hair extensions. Yes, David Bowie has got uh, this elaborate cape on. He's got, I think, a total of six outfits. I counted six <laughs> different. Uh, I wish I knew the words. Uh, this the sounds song like a, da, da, is da, da, as the world falls down. As the world falls down. <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> Do you ever see that? Do you ever watch uh, Flight of the Concords? Yeah. Did you see the one where like David Bowie kept coming to one of them in a dream, but it was always David Bowie from something? No. So one of them was like him walking on the scene. He's like, "It's me, David Bowie from 1986's <laughs> Labyrinth," and it's and it's it's the other guy dressed as. No, I have to have to put that, that scene funny. up somewhere. Uh, but then that's where we meet the junk lady that Ryan mentioned earlier, which is Bolina's 
Oh, the same voice as Belina. According to the Goblin Companion, and this is my last fact I have, uh, which is a book that gives a description to every goblin in the labyrinth. Oh, we might need to own that. The junk lady who carries everything on her back is named Agnes. And this is where our theory comes in, because I think it's, we think every goblin in in the world is a baby that he's taken that hasn't gotten back. That was, yeah, that was kind of our thought when he does dance, magic, dance. It seems yeah. like the whole idea is he's going to change the baby. Yes. And then, so the, so the assumption would be that a lot of people have given up or just take, given him the baby. Or, or forgotten. Or forgot, or whatever. Yeah. But then there's the people who, or like, because it feels like he's always like, you will give up. He said when she, at the beginning, he's like, she's going to give up. She's going to give up. So now I yeah. feel like most people have given up. But then when we get to the junk lady scene, there's a couple other junk ladies in the background and then yeah. when when she puts her into her room, her fake room, and starts giving her stuff, she starts piling it on her back like she has. So I was wondering, are the junk ladies sisters who like came to get their babies? Yeah, and they forgot, and like they, they forgot. ate the, the poison thing is, peach is, or whatever. She does have a. You feel like she's working for Jareth. Well, originally kind she was supposed vibe, to be right? a mechanism that he was. Mm, like controlling controlling yeah so you still have i i feel like that's still there but i do think the way she piles all of her stuff you like this and you miss this well, all the goblins are now his subjects so they're I probably just his subjects and i guess too. he controlled hoggle yeah to a certain degree um so yeah i i think i i mean we came up with the theory kind of together yes. so i'm i'm in agreement i'm it, but i'm a little shocked you didn't give more uh excitement to the fact that her name is agnes I do love, I it do love that she like has a, a name more than just junk lady. More than I the wrote down tweet. trash woman. Trash so woman. I wasn't much better until I realized her name was junk lady. Yes. Uh, but then we get to, they get to the city and the goblin city to get into the castle and they have this monster, this, it's not really a monster. Humongous is what giant, his name is yeah, in the a book. A giant kind of robot, but it's such another cool design because he's the doors the metal doors and then he comes out of the doors who goes yeah I, but he's not even that he's a, a, a he's robot being controlled yeah he is a robot being controlled by a little bitty goblin i i like when hoggle is up there uh just working it and being like where's reverse and that's also when when hoggle kind of defeats that because he's kind of the main one to defeat that obstacle they all rejoice and that's when he finds out that they all consider him a friend and you know they're, they're Didymus very thinks he's brave yeah Didymus thinks he's brave she gives him his jewels back because at one point she steals the jewels so hoggle will help her since he's a little bit selfish yeah. and a little bit of a coward but and we from also then on, the viewer we find out Jareth has a pretty strong hold on him well do you think that's all jewelry from other people he's Oh, had to like that he's lead. like bartered with or whatever. Like they give him something so he helps them to a certain part yeah, of the journey. Yeah, and then they give up. Yeah, that's a good thought, probably. I hadn't really thought about how often yeah. this happened. Yeah, I mean, it's clear it's happened more than once. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so they get to this point where she then says, you know, I've got to do the rest on my own. And then oh, she- we're not going to talk about the Battle of the Goblin City. Oh, well, you told me we had we didn't have enough time. <laughs> no, we got a few minutes okay. because you want to talk about him fighting those the 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 guys on horseback. This is when Ludo calls all the rocks, and the yeah. rocks come in Look, and start I rolling love people this whole over. Part, but you were like, we got to speed it up. Oh so. no, this is not the the moment to take out because oh, okay, I well, let's cut this out. Then. I love no, I we're, we got it. I love the, all the like 
the cannon guy who's shooting them. The, like, well, the cannonballs themselves are actual people. Yes, it's it's yeah. like it's just a fun scene to just mm-hmm. talk about all the design of all the characters, yeah. and it's something like. This would be something a scene I would go back and watch and just if we had more time we would have paused the heck out of this scene too. Definitely, because this is when so we much... this is when we did go back and you were you had to watch him like I'm so Ambrosius like run around. I loved him hopping around on the on his dog on Ambrosia and also uh, there's another part here that where they say this will be a piece of cake. This is backing up as they're at the doors. Yeah, and they go through. This like, is a piece of cake is like their version of in Star Wars when they say I have a bad feeling about this. It's yeah, like, so Ryan kind of caught on to that yeah. moment there because that's right before this whole battle and before mm-hmm. the robot and everything. So now she's on her own in, the, in this MC Escher thing where. Which is also appears in her room. Yes. There's a poster of it in her room. Uh, Are you shocked that she ended up in an M.C. Escher painting instead of an Evita, a scene from Evita since that poster (laughs) was for cats? cats. She ended up in the Jellicle Ball or whatever. Uh Uh-huh. I, you know, David Bowie is, is, is kind of walking around up and like, she's seems to be defined by the laws of physics. David Bowie definitely isn't. And then you notice Toby also isn't. Yes. And Toby is kind of, so she's trying to get to Toby. And I really think this scene holds up with how they did it for the yeah. most part. Um, visually, it's, it's really impressive, yeah. I think. Uh, and then this is where he, this is where we talked about this earlier, where he's kind of like, well, I did all the things you asked of me, you know, mm-hmm. isn't this what you want it? Isn't this, you know, this is what I ask of you now that I've done this for you. It's kind of this very abusive relationship. Like I'll give you whatever you want. And Uh, she is just like, you have no power over me. Yes. It's the line at the very beginning. She's trying to memorize uh, lines from the book, the labyrinth, and she can never remember this line and she stumbles and doesn't remember it here. And then she says, you have no power over me. Says it a couple times. It's almost like there's no place like home. Mm-hmm. She says it a couple of times, and then I don't she, know. If she says it a couple of times. She or said if it's definitely, just, or maybe it's an echo. It's, it's but, echoing for yeah, effect because it's definitely obviously it's like super stylized, yeah. like him throwing the bubble up either, and then falling and turning either the way. Owl. Yeah, it's said several times, and she appears back in her home, and she looks, and there's Toby in his bed asleep and she gives toby her what looks like a winnie the pooh stuffed animal it's a bear a yellow it really bear. does it has that like stiff arm and yeah leg thing. and she calls it lancelot and so she gives toby lancelot so you can see her relationship with toby is much stronger uh you know and she's sharing you know you look in her room and her room is filled with so many things that uh you know, Toby might enjoy as well. And mm-hmm. so it looks like maybe she'll be a little bit more open to interacting with Toby in that She's way. also putting some things away. Like it was the pictures of her mom with David Bowie. Yeah, and the music box, the, yeah. the which is kind of what that whole ballroom scene is based off of. And that's when she sees Ludo and Didymus and, in the mirror. and Hoggle in the mirror. And they're like, if you need us. And she's like, well, I do need you. Uh, you know, every once in a while, I I might need you. I think that's Jim Henson's like. Yeah, we said don't that at the beginning. Yeah, don't mm-hmm. completely put away childish things. But yeah. then they have a part. Then they all appear. Then with, they have a like, party. Like flat out party hats. Yeah, it's I just such a joyous ending. In all ending. caps, the end of my notes is party. It's just like <laughs> like the, it's it's such a good Jim Henson ending because it's like. It's just for fun. There's no like, well, they wouldn't wear party hats. It's just like this There's is fun. There's streamers. There's streamers. Yeah, it's yeah. like does it does the parents well, who now, ca- hear it? Who cares? The real question is Yes. Was it a dream or did she really go to the Goblin City? I mean, I think it was real. I, it's gotta be real. I think it's real. 
I always thought it was real as a child, but as what reviewing it here. I mean, it's a movie. It's not real, real. There's I know, no... <laughs> but I'm saying like when you thought of it as a kid, like you did you feel it was a real place that she went? I think so. I think yeah. it was just, yeah. Um, so let's, let me ask you this. What do you think was possibly the most traumatizing scene in this one? I, this, I, t- I told you this at the end of Return of Oz. This one's hard for me to say anything was traumatizing. I feel like I pointed out the things I thought Well, but I'm, I'm saying in, in, in hindsight looking at it, what do you think probably the, the most like, ooh, part of it was? I, I, to me, it was when the uh, music box, the, the the thing that, it, and people were screaming for a second going oh, up and down. Oh, yeah. That, I guess me, that is, It was a bunch yeah. of little shots like that that were a little, I guess Ugh. like that, like I said, the eyeballs with the creepy voices. I think also, oh, too, when you first. I love those Yeah, eyeballs. I do, too. I think when you first see the goblins, I love them and laughed at them a ton. But I think that's kind of your first introduction into this world and i think when she goes to look for toby and toby's not there and they're all like popping out of different things and the light doesn't turn on um i'm sure there are other moments but for me it's so hard because i love this movie so much so that's another thing from the listeners i would love to hear if you saw this when you were young was there something that traumatized you was there something that you were scared of in this film well i'd like to i just thought of this right now so we'll see how it works okay um, I would like to rate these movies on a scale of one to five. And I, I was going to say electroshock therapies, but I don't think you, I don't like like that. That. you would do no. one out of five wheelers or one out of five, uh, mommy heads. <laughs> one out of five mommy heads is pretty good. <laughs> I think for me, this is a one. It's not traumatizing at all. It's just weird, but I think I'd be willing to give it a two for like what I hear from other people. So it's not too traumatizing, but it I'm is I'm going to give it a weird. one because I yeah. love it. Uh, so so our, what that's, is... that's not our rating. That's how traumatizing we think it is. I think this is a five movie. Oh, yeah, it's yeah, a great yeah. movie. So but... it's traumatizing. It's a one mom head. So what are we giving Return to Oz? I think Return to Oz might be a three or a four. I think for me it's a four yeah. mom heads. I think that we're going to find stuff that, that's, has, that's more traumatizing when we go along. So I don't want to give it the five. Yeah. I think we're going to might do Watership Down. I don't know this. anything about that. Ooh, we'll see. So, well, <laughs> uh, yeah, guys, hope you enjoyed it. Uh, again, this is one we voted on. I believe we have said that the next Childhood Trauma Theater will be never-ending story yes that's we said that on our fairy tale mail so yes we'll stick so that. that'll be the next one we do and we'll in, until then stay traumatized <laughs> thanks for listening to tara and ryan's princess diaries if you want to tell us your favorite disney villain and why it's guest on send us an email at trprincessdiaries at gmail.com or you can send a tweet about how great maleficent is to at trp diaries Check out our Facebook group by searching for Tara and Ryan's Princess Diaries. Tara and Ryan's Princess Diaries are available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Overcast, and many more. Wherever you hear us, please be our knight in shining armor and give us a five-star review. Thanks again, and until next time, remember to always live happily ever after. Uh